0: Today we're going to be talking about faithfulness. We'll be going over the story of Daniel in the lion's den, one of my favorite stories. It's found in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, and I happen to have the same name as the person in this, in this story, so I'm super excited, looking forward to that. So can you guys say faithfulness with me? Faithfulness. Now say joy. Joy. That doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it's probably a good thing to remember too. But faithfulness, that's a main theme. The one thing you guys can get out of this this sermon today, it's faithfulness. So the story has taken place in the book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 6. And the Israelites are God's chosen people, and now they're put in exile under the kingdom of Babylon, and a whole bunch of different things happen. Daniel grows up there, and... Well, he rises up in the in the hierarchy there under the Babylonian Empire with a, a few of his friends and all these different things happen. And now Daniel's an old man in this story. He's going to be probably somewhere in his 80s. I've heard even close to 90. The Bible doesn't specifically say, but people speculate somewhere around there. So he's, he's an old man by this point. Now the, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians take over the kingdom of Babylon. And so this, this kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, a very powerful empire, a very wealthy empire, and so that's the setting we're in today. Daniel is in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. He's probably in his 80s, and I just look at stories like these, and I think it's so amazing just looking at what somebody can do, even, even at whatever age, and just think like, man, you are never too old, you are never too young to serve God, because God can do anything. If we have an open heart, if we're an open vessel, God has so much He can still do through us. And I think that's just an amazing thing. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Verse 2. With three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So the king in this time, kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, was a guy named Darius. Now Darius had so much land and his his kingdom was so vast that he decided that he was going to set 120, and they call it satraps or governors would be another word for it, 120 rulers over his entire kingdom. And not only that, he's going to set up also three administrators over those people. And then at the top will be then King Darius. So this is a very powerful empire to need 120 governors like that, and then also the three administrators. So he didn't want to just rule this, this place by himself, but he made them accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Let's read verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So now Daniel is one of these three administrators and now normally in these times when you have a ruler from say the kingdom of Babylon and then the Medes and the Persians take over normally the previous rulers usually get the death penalty. So I don't know exactly why Daniel was allowed to live in this situation. Darius must have saw something in him and he distinguished himself even among the three administrators that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The king was just like, Ugh, "Why don't you just rule?" So this guy, he's really rising up and really doing amazing things because of his exceptional qualities. Now, I was reading this a while ago, and I was checking it out in the, in the Hebrew, because I'm, I'm no expert. But I saw a word in there, and it's the Hebrew word for spirit. And that Hebrew word for spirit or wind or a couple other things is that word roach. That same Hebrew word, it appears in Genesis 1 verse 2. And now I don't know if you've read that verse before, but it talks about the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. And that same word in Genesis 1-2 is used here in this verse saying that there was an excellent spirit in Daniel. Oh, guys, that same spirit, that same spirit that hovered over the face of the waters, the same spirit that's in Daniel here that helps him do things excellently, that helps him to be faithful, it's available to you and to me. God wants to help us out. He's not just like, oh, he's gonna create us and then just leave us to be. He's not gonna just abandon us, but God is also faithful. He gives us his spirit. So the first lesson from this story I want you to learn for faithfulness is get the Holy Spirit in you. Get the Holy Spirit, because God wants to give so much to you, and he wants to help you out. He wants to lead you and guide you and direct you. He wants to help you to do things excellently and to be faithful, even in small things or large things. God wants to help you out, but you have to allow him in. Your, Your heart has to be ready. You have to open up your heart, and he's ready to have that encounter with you. He's ready to show you his presence, his glory. But are you ready? If you're ready, he wants to have that encounter with you today. And that same spirit that hovered over the face of the waters, the same spirit that spoke the universe into being, is available to each and every one of us. So that's the first lesson from this story is get the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. I think this verse is just amazing. So these administrators, these governors and these rulers, they were so jealous of Daniel that as he started rising up, as the king started to show him favor, as the king was starting to put him over the entire kingdom, they start getting jealous. And they're getting so jealous that they decide, we're going to start stalking this guy and see if we can catch him doing anything wrong. So they check his Facebook posts, they check his Twitter, they check all that stuff, and they can't find anything. They checked everything in his conduct of government affairs. They were unable to find anything. I think that's just so amazing, and I I just look at that and think, like, man, that should be a picture of the church Like what if we did life that well? What if we were living that abundant life, that excellent life when we got that spirit in us, that same spirit that hovered over the face of the waters? If we got that in us, living in us, and we were living in that and people saw us and they're like, they look at our jobs and they're like, man, he just does things so so excellently. And they look at our, our family life and just like, man, like they live so well. They're living that abundant life. Like look at their joy and their peace and their patience, their love for each other. The community in the church, I mean, Oh, if we had that, we'd have a parking problem. Don't you think? I mean, it, it takes a while to get to that point. But man, we'll make that next step there. If we, can, if we can allow God into our lives. If we can allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. They tried to find something wrong and they couldn't. Let's read verse 5. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So not only... Can they not find something in the past that he's done wrong? They check all the records and everything and trying to find something, they can't find anything, and they think, well, I don't think he's going to do anything wrong in the future. But the one thing, one thing we know, that he will never leave his God. One thing they know about him. And I just think about that as a, a picture of the church, too. Like, what if people looked at us, our coworkers, family members, our friends, and they like, you know what? One thing I know about that guy He would never leave God. Just the faithfulness of Daniel that that people that didn't believe would look at him and know. You know what? There's one thing. That guy's faithful. Verse 6. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. You ever go up to somebody and you just kind of sugar them up a little bit first? Go up to maybe my parents or something like that and oh, you guys look so good today. I just, I love you and I was wondering if I could take the car out today. (laughs) So these guys, they go up and they they devise this plan to trap Daniel in in a law about his God, and they go up and, oh, King Darius, live forever. I think that's just so amazing. Verse 7. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So now they're saying, "Oh, king, you're looking mighty fine today. You know what? We love you so much. We think you're so amazing. You are so great that we have decided that we think that We should have everyone in the whole kingdom worship only you for 30 days. No hidden agenda. (laughs) And so they go up to the king and they they say these things, and I can just imagine how they said it. Verse 8, and so they continue to speak, and they say, now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So in this time in the Medes and the Persians, when the king would put a law and a decree, and he would sign it, then that law, it was permanent. It couldn't be changed. It couldn't be altered. Now, the king knew this. These guys made sure to remind him twice so that it cannot be altered, and then later, which cannot be repealed, they decided to remind him twice. But when a law was put into place, then it couldn't be changed. It couldn't be altered, even by the king. So if the king wanted to change it, he couldn't do it. So if you put a law into place, you better make sure it's right, because you don't want to make that mistake. Verse 9. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. So, this decree that you can only worship King Darius for 30 days, it's in writing. It cannot be changed. And now, Daniel is in a terrible situation. Daniel is now faced in a time when he maybe doesn't know what to do. This is really bad news. And I don't know if you've ever been stuck in a situation where you don't know what to do. For Daniel, it was either I follow God or I don't follow God. If I follow God, then I get the death penalty. Now, I'm happy in. And lucky to, to live in a country that we don't have to deal with those things. But man, what a situation to be put in. I mean, imagine just the stress and the anxiety and just thinking like, man, what am I going to do? You know, do I just not worship God for 30 days? Or what, what is the right decision here? Do I take the, the death penalty then and, and go to the lion's den? I mean, imagine the mental struggle. But verse 10, we see his response. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I think this is so amazing. And just continue to remember, this guy's in his 80s. Gets down on his knees three times a day and prays. And when Daniel learned of this, he wasn't in a convenient place. I don't know where he was. Maybe he was in the royal palace talking with the the kings and the governors or something like that and the conversation came up and they talked about this new law that was being put into place and he wasn't in a place of worship. He wasn't in a place that was safe. But as soon as he learned about this, as soon as he learned of the decree, he went immediately to that safe place, to that place of worship. And what does he do? He gets down on his knees as he always did three times a day. And look at what it says in the verse that not only did he pray, not only did he pray for deliverance, but look at what it says after that. He's giving thanks to God. Now, I don't know about you, how easy is it when you're in a terrible situation, a situation where you don't know what to do, when it, it feels like a trap, is the first response you do to go to God and to give thanks? Oh, I don't know that it's always mine. But that's his first response. So I want to ask you guys today, what is your first response? When that trial comes, when the situation happens and the circumstances aren't looking good, where do you turn? oh, I just can't believe this thing happened again, and I just, these these things always happen to me. Is it just a complaint, or do we turn to God first? So my second lesson from this story about faithfulness is that faithfulness helps us persevere through the trial. Trials are just something that happens in this life, like we trust in God, and then all of a sudden we're free of all problems. We're not just free of those problems, but God helps us through. He helps us persevere through the trial, but we got to be faithful, So is your first action to go to God? Let's read verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So these guys go up to the king again after they went and immediately followed Daniel as he went home. And they, they saw him praying on that first day. And, and they catch him. And they go to the king and they're like, king, you're looking, you're looking mighty fine today. Didn't you put a law into place that said that anyone that worshipped anyone but you would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answers, well, well yes. Let's read verse 13. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Now, it doesn't straight up say this in the the passage, but I really believe that Darius really had a deep love for Daniel. I believe he really cared for him. And when he realized this, when he found this out, it says he's greatly distressed. And he made every effort until sundown to save him. As king, he was trying to find some loophole, something that would, that would be able to change the situation, but the law couldn't be repealed. And if you look back, you see Daniel, his first option was to go to God. And when you look at King Darius, Darius made every effort. Darius' first option when he was greatly distressed was not to go to God. So he exhausted every option. Let's read verse 15. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. King Darius is greatly distressed, and Darius turns to his own effort. And I imagine the, the mistake that he's just made is weighing on him greatly. And I don't know if you guys have ever made a mistake that cost you just tremendously. I know I have. Have you ever made a mistake that cost someone else tremendously? Those are the worst ones. I remember back in middle school, I was just playing around in my backyard, and I had a, a bow. It was a pretty cheap bow, and we were making arrows out of sticks, which wasn't smart. And so we cut a slit in the back to get it on the string and we'd, we'd pull it and we'd, we'd shoot the arrows, you know, and they'd flop all weird because they're just sticks. They're brittle and whatever. And one of the arrows I took and I, I grabbed the knife and I cut it down and I cut it down a little bit too far and so I, I shot it once and it kind of broke it apart even further and so it was about ready to just kind of break apart. But I just left it there and my friend picked it up and I watched him as he picked it up and he put it on the string and he pulled it back. He let go and the whole stick just shattered and it went straight into his hand. And I was like, oh, I did that. And so it was a mistake that I made. I cut the slit a little too far down and I didn't tell him about it and then he was the one that suffered for it. So Darius made a mistake that cost someone else tremendously and he was greatly, greatly distressed. Verse 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So Darius had exhausted every option he could think of of trying to set Daniel free. The one option he was left with. The last thing he turns to. Look at it in the verse. May your God rescue you. So are you like Daniel, and when you see the trial, the circumstance, or the situation, is it the first thing you turn to? Or are you like Darius, and it's the last resort? God doesn't just want to be your last resort. He wants to be more than that. He wants to be in communion with you and reconciled to you. God wants so much more, and he's ready to give you more, but your heart has to be ready, and it has to not just be your last option. So I was thinking about this a couple days ago and just thinking, like, in my life, am I somebody who turns to God in the first point, the second option, the last option? Are there times that you never turn to God? We need to be like Daniel in this story and, and go to God as the first option. So at what point do you turn to God? Let's read verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. I think this is a really interesting verse in that Daniel had so many different other options he could have tried to run away. The Bible never says he complained. Maybe he did. I don't know. He didn't run away. He didn't try to take his own life. He went straight into the trial. Verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. This is another verse that I think really shows the deep compassion that Darius had for Daniel. The whole night that Daniel was in the lion's den, he just felt it. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He couldn't drink. He couldn't do anything but just think about like his mistake and the cost and just the guilt just weighing on him. And he couldn't sleep. He was greatly troubled. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the den. Verse 20. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So Darius, at the first light of dawn, as soon as the sun was rising up, he saw that first ray of sunlight, and as soon as he saw that, he went straight over to the lion's den, and that stone that had been placed over the den so that Daniel's situation might not be changed, they pushed it away, he goes down there, and I can just feel the anguish in his voice, like, Daniel, did you make it? Are you okay? Did my mistake cost you? I can just feel the anguish in his voice. And then Daniel responds, O king, live forever. God shut the mouths of the lions. He was in there for the whole night. And those were some hungry lions. They weren't like they had just eaten a whole bunch and they just happened to not be hungry for Daniel. God shut the mouths of the lions. So the third lesson from this story is that faithfulness delivers. Or maybe better put, God delivers. I remember the first time I I told this story. I was at an old job that I had, and I was with a coworker. It was the morning, and we were working for a little while, and I remember my boss came in. He, he pulled us aside, and he started talking to us about the financial struggles and different difficulties going on, and he wasn't really sure if, if the business was going to make it. He wasn't really sure if everything was going to work out, and just some struggles and different things going on, not really sure what to do, not really sure how to go forward, and he brought all this stuff up, and I, I had read the, this story just a couple weeks before, and God just put that back in my head, and I, I, I felt impressed to tell him the story, so I started from the beginning kind of how I did with you guys, and that was only in like three to five minutes, though, and I went over the whole thing, and at the end of it, I said this, I said, just in the same way as God shut the mouths of the lions, and God made it so that the lions weren't going to bite Daniel, I believe the lions aren't going to bite you either. And so me and my co-worker went back to work after that, and it was a, about an hour or two later, my boss comes in with his big smile. He said, who, wait, who, who prayed, who prayed? And, and then we were like, what's going on? Not making a whole lot of sense. And he, he says to us, I just got a letter in the mail, an envelope in the mail with a check in it. There's a few thousand dollars in there that same morning, and I'm here to tell you guys today that God, he delivers and he's ready to deliver you today. And just in the same way that Daniel was saved from the lions, that the lions didn't bite Daniel. In the same way in the story I just told, that the lions didn't bite him. I believe that for you guys too. And you might be in a, a sticky situation, some kind of trial, something going on. I don't know your situation, what you walked in here with. But I believe God's going to keep the lions from biting you too. Because when we're faithful to God, we become his children. And in one hand, he holds us. In the other he shuts the mouths of the lions. Now, if we aren't faithful to God, I'm not going to read what happened to the other guys in the story. You can read that for yourself if you want. But if we're faithful to God, I mean, at the very least, even if we die, we, we still get to go to heaven for eternity. And so I don't know It you walked in here today carrying, but God wants to deliver you today. And you might be saying, oh, Daniel, you don't, you don't know my trial. You don't know my situation. It's, it's too difficult. You don't know what I'm going through, and you know what? I don't, but maybe you don't know my God. And it shocks me when people go up to me and they just say, uh, it's going to take a miracle. Oh, I know somebody for you. I know somebody who's in the business of doing miracles. And so it doesn't matter how difficult it seems or how much you feel trapped, God can still move. He can take that bad thing and he can turn it and flip it upside down into a good thing. And God wants to do that for each and every one of you. He wants to deliver you. And if it'll take a miracle, hallelujah. If the Daniel from this story, Daniel chapter 6, was here today, and he could give us one lesson, I think he would tell us to be faithful. And that faithfulness, it delivers. You've got to get the Holy Spirit in you. That's number one. Faithfulness helps us persevere through the trial. That's number two. And finally, God delivers us. Can we go back to Daniel six seventeen? A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. I remember I I was listening to a sermon by a guy named Micah McDonald, and he made this correlation that I thought was just fantastic, and I'm going to share it with you today. Because, just in the same way that a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed, that same thing happened in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When Jesus Christ came and was born, he was beaten, mocked, not accepted, spit on, crucified. And for one day, Satan thought he'd won. For two days, he thought he'd won. But finally, Jesus rose from the grave, and in the same way, that stone that was made so that Jesus Christ's situation could not be changed, it was cast to the side. And he rose from the grave to save each and every one of you. If your heart is ready, because that same power, that same spirit that hovered over the face of the waters, the same spirit that spoke the universe into being, the same spirit that shut the mouths of the lions, the same spirit that cast the stone aside, raised Jesus Christ from the grave, is here and is ready to meet with each and every one of you. And it doesn't matter the shame, doesn't matter the sin, doesn't matter the addiction, the depression, the anxiety, the drugs, the alcohol, the pornography, it doesn't matter. No sin, no shame, none of that is any match for the power of God. And he is ready to meet with each and every one of you. He wants to have that encounter with you today. Let's read Romans eight eleven. This will be our last verse. Oh, there's so much power in this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power is in you. So I want to challenge you today to be faithful. Faithful to God, faithful in small things and large things at home at your job. I don't know if you walked in here with pain or hurt, something you're going through. I don't I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know that Daniel in this situation was walking through a trial, was walking through the temptation to leave God. And if he wasn't faithful, if he wasn't faithful to God in prayer and doing those things excellently, if he didn't have that holy spirit in him, if he wasn't walking by God's side, He could have just said no and he would have lived. He would have still been an administrator. He would have still been very high up in the kingdom. Daniel still would have been an important guy. But you know what would have happened? If he wasn't faithful, he would have missed out on his God story. So my challenge to each and every one of you today is just don't miss out on what God has for you today. He's got a story for you here. He's got a story he wants to write in your life. Are you ready for it? God has so much he wants to do. So don't miss out on your God story. That same spirit is ready to encounter you. Last thing I want to say, where did this story take place? It was in the kingdom of the Medes and Persians, but was it inside the four walls of the church? It wasn't. There wasn't even a church for him to go to. God doesn't just want you to be faithful in the hour or two that you come to church. God wants your whole life. And if your faithfulness, if your walk with God, your faith walk with God is limited to the four walls of the church, Man, your story isn't going to be very big. And God wants to do things in here. He does. But there's so much more that he wants to do just in the world. There's so much more as we go out and leave here with that spirit. Go out and leave here with that freedom that God wants to do as we enter into our workplaces. Enter into our families. There's so much more he wants to do than just an hour at church. But we got to be obedient. we got to be faithful. we got to be faithful 24-7, not one hour every Sunday. So my challenge to you is try that faithfulness out and see what happens. See what God can do. Don't miss out on your God story today. That same spirit is ready to encounter you, to move you, to heal you. No sin, no shame can stand against it. And let's believe God to encounter us today. Let's believe God to just move his presence here today. Don't leave a touch from God sitting here at these altars. Go take it. Don't take your depression with you. Leave it here. God wants to take that from you today. Don't leave your touch from God, that that gift. Don't leave that freedom here. Take it with you. Let's pray. My Lord, my God, I just thank you for everything that you're doing here, and I just pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to impact hearts and continue to impact lives, God, and just that we'd see more move of your spirit, God, and we would just be open to what you want to do and and your spirit wouldn't be limited by our expectations or what we think you can do, but God, you would do so much more than we could ever think or imagine or dream of. So Lord, I just pray that as we go out, each person would just go out changed by your spirit, and if there's a little bit more that they need, I just pray that they would linger a little bit longer in your presence and your spirit, God, and you would just begin to move in them. Reassure them, Lord, that you'll never leave them or forsake them. So Lord, just bless us as we go out and guide us with your spirit. God, I just pray extra blessing on each person listening today and just speak to us, God. Guide us, lead us, and direct us. We thank you. You've been so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.